At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. What's happening, people? Happy Thursday to all of you out there. Appreciate you taking some time tuning into the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers with yours truly, Danny Burke. And you can always follow on Twitter at Danny Burke 5. Kind of a unique day today. And I say that because we got an incredibly early Cubs game, 11.30, 5 a.m. Central Time, first pitch. So unfortunately, we will not have enough time to preview that here on the City Cast because. By the time this gets released, well, first pitch will probably already be underway. Uh, But we're not complaining about some midday baseball. That's completely fine with us. We do have a late game here in the city. We got the White Sox and a new series taking on the Baltimore Orioles. What will the odds be for that game? Are the White Sox worth a bet tonight after their loss yesterday against the Blue Jays? Another banged up uh, outlook for the White Sox. Three guys leaving the game with some injuries. We'll tell you more about that in a second. Uh, Wow, yesterday was kind of a crazy night. Was looking good, looking very good with our bets, and then uh, something happened in in the realm of a bad beat, I guess you could say. And then furthermore, we got to recap what happened in Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Finals and what that means for our series bet and how do we approach it from this standpoint on. So we'll get into that. We got the NBA Draft. Who the hell knows what the Bulls are going to do right now? The answer is no one. Are they going to trade it? Are they going to draft any of the four or five players that you've heard so-called experts talk about? Nobody knows what AK and company are thinking, but we'll still discuss that and just a draft in general. And I was thinking about doing some football today on the show. 
I did hit on it on Rush Hour the other night and tweeted out about it, but maybe if the show isn't going too long, I'll I'll talk about it once again because I did, or VEASAN rather, did tweet out the clip of basically what I'm going to summarize. So uh, if I don't get to it, you can always check it out there with some early NFL futures. But let's jump into it, folks. Let's get into a recap of last night, how I always like to start off these shows, just kind of clear the slate, talk about what happened, what did we learn from it, and what we can look forward to. So in terms of Danny's dimes last night, I went 2-1. and one. All right, we had three baseball plays. One of them was the Cubs on the first five money line. Yeah, I was backing Keegan Thompson in that spot. He had thrived against the Pirates in two outings, one as a starter and one as a reliever. But furthermore, they had Eikhoff, Jared Eikhoff, in there for the Pirates, who had like over a 430 ERA in AAA this year, and they had to bring him up in desperation times. And it was strictly just a bet on the pitchers and a fade of the Pirates pitcher at that, and that the Cubs were almost due against a not that much better team in Pittsburgh. Now, I didn't want to trust the Cubs bullpen because we know that they have been rocky, and well, you could have last night, but it's all right, I didn't. I just did first five and the Cubbies came through. Further along, another first five angle I took was the Marlins on the first five. However, I did minus a half. I did the run line, the lead after five innings bet, because they were a steep favorite to just get the outright money line on the first five. I believe it was four to one. My boy, Pablo Lopez, taking control after giving up an early dinger. Uh, He got it. He got rhythm, really, is what it was. And then uh, the offense stepped up for Miami. So they were leading four to one after five. So we cashed in on that. Yeah, and then I uh, got to take a big sigh for this one. The Cleveland Guardians ugh, come through and get the win against the Twins. Now, we ended up 2-1, and one, which typically should be fairly content about. And I am, but I'm just very, very salty at the game that we endured with the Twins and the Guardians. I mean, Minnesota folks, we had them on the money line. Was close to taking them on the first five because I was like, you know what? This bullpen seems a little bit sketchy. But I said, nah, they're due for a win after their loss last night. I'll trust them to go deep here. Well, I screwed myself on that one, didn't I? Six earned runs were given up by the Minnesota Twins bullpen. Six freaking earned runs. Crush it all down. Get rid of it. Crumple it up like a piece of paper, throw it in the trash can, and get that trash can the hell out of my face. You give up three runs in the seventh inning to lose the lead. I think it was five to one at one point, then five to two, and then I guess five three, and then you were down like six five, or it was like seven six or something like that. The point is, they gave up three damn runs in the seventh inning. And then you score four. To reclaim the lead and then some. And then you give up four damn runs in the ninth? Are you kidding me? Not only do you blow it once after Sonny Gray's having a serviceable start, but you do it again in the ninth with your damn closer. What is happening? How can you let that happen numerous times, let alone one time? This is why a lot of times, folks, we opt into just doing the first five so we don't have to deal with these morons in the bullpen and the lack of bullpen management. And I'm not saying it was even bullpen management because I don't know how this bullpen should be managed, but clearly it shouldn't be the way it was yesterday. Or you got to get new guys because that was absolutely atrocious. 
that was disgusting how you blew that lead. Almost, you know, a fly ball should have been caught. I'm watching the highlights right now. That was just disgusting. Cotton giving up three runs. Pagan. I don't even know if it's how you say your last name. It doesn't even matter. He gave up three runs. Gross. It's 5-1, to 5-2. to two. And then it was 6-4. And then you blew that one. 7-6. And then you go up 10-7. And then you give up four runs in the I mean, it's one thing to just give up a couple. But four in the ninth? Are you kidding? The Guardians are not that good of a team. They don't have that great of an offense. The Twins have been a team that I think I've stayed away from. Not as hard to read as like the Orioles, like I tend to say. But the Twins had been that team. And we talk about teams ending up on my, you know, the PG version, my crap list. After that performance, I might as well throw the Twins on it. They were looking great, and we were looking like we were on our way to a sweep. That was a tough loss. Would have cashed the first five. Would have, could have, should have. I get it. Shut up, Danny. I just got to vent about it because that was pathetic. To blow that many leads, but that large of a margin. Like, if it was a one-two run game, it's baseball. That happens. But that big? You got to be kidding me. Man, that was tough. But two and one on the night. (laughs) Two and one on the night. But it was a chalkier bet with the Twins. So, yeah, that kind of stung. That absolutely stung. That sucked. Plain and outright, that sucked. And what also was a bummer. The Lightning losing overtime 3-2. to two. Oh, by the way, so we end up 2-1 and one with our picks in baseball. Our overall record, 40-34-1. All right, uh, hockey last night. So I had a volleyball game recreational here in Chicago Wednesday night. So, of course, the Stanley Cup has to fall on that night. And that's been the way last week and probably the week before as well. But, you know, it is what it is. So by the time I was done, it was overtime and there were 11 minutes left. And I see everybody going nuts on Twitter about Vasilevsky. And I'm like, well, that's a good thing because he's making these incredible saves. But it's a bad thing because Tampa Bay is clearly weary and his defense is going to screw him once again. And that's what happened. They couldn't leave the pressure off of Vasilevsky at any point in that overtime. And the Avalanche win 3-2 in a must-win game for Tampa, and now Colorado's going to go back home and presumably win. And that kills our over five-and-a-half series or games played in the series bet because Colorado's going to win. Now they are up 3-1. They can win 4-1, and they can win in five. What do we do? Do we let it ride out? Do you actually have faith in Tampa Bay after that loss, which was an excruciating loss already? Overtime, you had it. You blew the lead with two minutes to go. Oh, give me a break. No, it's Colorado's closing this out. And you know what? If they can't close this out, then what the hell are we doing? So we have our bet minus 150. What do you do? Do you bet Colorado on the money line to hedge? You could. But you're laying minus 177 at Bet Rivers. All right, so what do you do? Well, you could look at the puck line. Colorado wins. It's probably going to be by more than one goal, I would imagine. They have big-time momentum coming their way. Plus 140 is the value, at least at Bet Rivers. So that would be a good angle if you could cash that, of course, because you're getting the plus money and you don't have to risk as much to cover your original investment in over five and a half games. Right, But there's a scenario to where naturally you could get screwed on both. And that would be Colorado winning by one goal. 
which it seems like for everybody, I feel like a lot of times you're like, yep, that would happen to me. So if you don't want to do that, you could do the win in regulation bet, the three-way line, meaning the Avalanche have to win the game, but it can't be in overtime. The 60-minute line, folks. And minus 107, I think, is the number that I just saw at Bed Rivers. And, hey, it might be better at some other books, but it's not that expensive. And, look, you could cover your bet there with the over five and a half games if you think the series is all but over because of what went down. And, man, that was a bummer because you spoiled the great Vasilevsky outing. You spoiled what could have been awesome to see two wins by Tampa Bay at home to make this series fun and deep. And now you know the Avalanche are just going to go down back home in Colorado and just dominate like they did the first two games. And I get that the first game went to overtime, but still, you saw the speed with Colorado. You saw what they were able to do. That was a tough one to swallow. Not as tough as a Twins one, but that was tough. Like that would have, that would have, um, that would have made up for the Twins losing if we if the Tampa Bay Lightning would have won because then we would have cashed her over five and a half games in the series bet. Bummer. Big time bummer. So, uh, yeah, those are a couple options we can maybe consider. But let's talk some baseball tonight. Yeah, that was a hell of a transition. Let's get into the White Sox tonight, folks. You've heard enough about my sorrows, but I'm saying it because I'm sure a lot of people listening out there have followed along and feeling the same way and we're curious about what to do. And, well, it's always a learning progress. So we're not just dishing out plays. We want to give you the thought process behind it, the analysis, the reasoning, all of that good things, or all of those good things. And uh, let's hope we can do that here with this White Sox and Orioles game. Although I will say, fair warning, I've told you the Baltimore Orioles are a team that I just put a big fat question mark on because I don't know what the hell to do with that team. But let's get into it. The Orioles coming off a 7-0 win in six innings versus Washington last night. The White Sox lost 9-5 at home in a day game versus Toronto after taking the first two in the series. The White Sox had Danny Mendick, Adam Angle, Luis Robert all leave the game with injuries. Wow, that seems classic for the White Sox. Come on, jeez. Apparently, Luis Robert could play. We'll see what his status is going to be. Tim Anderson had an off day yesterday. I'm sure he'll be back in the lineup, I would imagine, for today. So, yeah, the White Sox catching the injury bug once again. Uh, yeah, that's just White Sox baseball. You know this by now. Weather-wise, it's blowing in. The wind is not by much, just about four miles per hour. Not that warm of a day. But it's a great day for us, right? We're not enduring the 90-plus degree heat. It's about mid-70s, so it's a beauty. But in terms of maybe expecting a lot of runs, not the best for you. Dean Kremer. Who? Yeah, I don't know. He's taken the bump for Baltimore. He's a righty. He's pitched 15.1 innings this year. He's gone 1-1 one one with a 2.35 ERA, a 3.46 FIP, a 1.17 whip, just a 5% home run to fly ball ratio, uh, left on base percentage for Dean is 78%. He's got a BABIP of 277. Ding, ding, ding. Here's what's concerning, folks. His Sierra is 4.65. He's only pitched five innings on the road this year. Uh, the three teams he's gone up against. He went against Cleveland in his first outing of this year. 4.1 innings pitched, five hits, three earned runs. Then went to Kansas City, went five innings, four hits, one earned run, two total uh, two Ks in that game, three in the first versus the Guardians. Then most recently, last Friday versus the Rays, when six innings allowed five hits, no earned runs, and five strikeouts. So the kid's got some stuff, it seems. I don't know, though. 
you would think he could probably thrive against the White Sox with all their injuries and just their inability to hit righties. But look, they hit righties exceptionally well versus Toronto this past series. Now, the overall numbers for the White Sox versus righties, they got a 658 OPS, a 290 BABIP, a 291 WOBA, and a 90 WRC+, which indicates are not the best hitting righties, which is understood. But if you look at the more recent sample size against a very respectable team, more respectable than the Orioles, and that being the Toronto Blue Jays, here were the White Sox numbers from this past week against righties. 9-11 OPS, 405 BABIP, batting average of balls in play, 397 WOBA, and a 165 WRC+. Outstanding numbers from the Southsiders most recently. So, if you think they could keep that momentum going, why not have it be against a lesser team or what should be a lesser team in Baltimore and a pitcher that's kind of in an unknown commodity type of situation right now? But do you trust Johnny Cueto? Because that's who's starting for the White Sox. Now, Cueto has been serviceable. I think you can put it that way. He's 1-3 with a 2.95 ERA, a 3.65 FIP, and a 110 WHIP. Further along, he's got an 8.3% home run to fly ball ratio. Good, you're sub-10. 78% left on base percentage. Solid, you're above 72%. 264 Babbitt. Great, you're under 300. And a 413 Sierra. Not ideal to see that, but if you're in the low fours, that's manageable, okay? Especially if your opposition has a higher Sierra, which Kremer does, which is in an incredibly high spot at 465. What's interesting about Cueto, he struggled at guaranteed rate field thus far. Yeah, for whatever reason, hasn't been that great. He's got a 494 FIP at home compared to 273 on the road. For example, like he played the Cubs at home and the Cubs got five earned runs against him in nine hits. Went up against the Dodgers, gave up four hits and three earned runs. That's fine. That was an okay start. Then the next game versus Texas, the Rangers got six hits and three earned runs. White Sox lost. The White Sox have lost every home game he started. But can they get this one tonight? I think they probably do. I still think it's a concern with this White Sox bullpen, however. They got an ERA of 429 and a whip of 136. They can never make it easy. That's just who they are. They're like the Cubs with Craig Kimbrell. The Orioles themselves have a really solid bullpen, 318 ERA and a 123 whip. So if you're looking for any angle in this game, wouldn't first five be the most tempting to you? Because you're back in the starting pitchers as is. This is why we're going to bet it. And we're going to go with the hotter offense in Chicago against righties. Doesn't mean it's going to be sustained for tonight. But I'd put some faith in that happening. So I made this really quick. I made this line minus 140 in Baltimore plus 125. So I made Chicago minus 140, Baltimore plus 125, and a lower total at 8.5 because, well, maybe the Sox offense doesn't come alive and the Orioles don't have that great in numbers against righties. They got a 675 OPS, a 274 BABIP, a 296 WOBA, and a 91 WRC+. So, yeah, pretty much same region as the White Sox when it comes to hitting righties. 
So again, I make the White Sox a favorite, but not that big a favorite. And I know I'm going to be off on this. When I, when I made it, I knew I was going to be off because the market's going to adjust this differently than I would. I'm making it in terms of where I would bet the White Sox for the full game. Like this is the highest I would go probably, give or take five cents, I suppose. So minus 140 was that number to me, but I figured that it was going to open up differently, which it did. Because at Bet Rivers, the White Sox were minus 164. Baltimore plus 140. And they made the total at nine. So yeah, I was way off, but that's fine. But that just means that I'm not going to lay that price. And that's okay to think that way sometimes. You can put a team as a favorite and not bet it if you're making your own lines. Because that's too expensive of a price for me to want to lay. And the market's actually trending against the White Sox ever so slightly. And I believe it's because of how high they open. Not that they think the Orioles are going to win this game. But just because the White Sox should not be that big of a favorite. But if you do look at Pet Rivers, the White Sox are minus 165. The Orioles plus 140. So not a lot of movement. And there's juice to the under 9, minus 120. But in other spots, you have seen it go down a little bit. Now, I don't bet full game unders, but under nine is tempting for sure. Um, let's see. What about no run in the first? Unders plus 106. Don't hate that idea. Let's see. Total runs in the first five innings, four and a half. Unders plus 104. I like that. Money line, first five for the White Sox, minus a buck 55. See, that's too expensive, but that would be the only way I would invest in this game in terms of a side. It would have to be with the White Sox in the first five. Do you want to bet them to lead after the first five innings? Well, minus 114 is the price. Not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. But I don't know. If the if you think the White Sox get the Kremer, then do that bet for sure. And if, if you think Cueto can hold his own. But is it maybe a little bit more valuable to just look at the total and bank on these teams not having that much success? Again, the White Sox overall struggling against righties in the big picture. But if we look at the micro sense of things with this past week, they've been crushing them. Baltimore versus righties not been doing too well as of late or in, in the entirety of this season. The White Sox probably win this game, yes. Do I think it's worth laying over minus 160? No. We'll see where the market trends toward as we get closer to first pitch. But, man. There's something in this game that I know is right, that I want to play, but I just don't know if I'm going to get there. I don't know if I'm going to get over that hump. Let me know if you do, though. At Danny Burke Fiery, you can follow along on Twitter. Let me know if you're playing anything for this spot. Very tempting all around. But do we want to... The issue with not doing the total runs, I guess, or the issue with something that could kill you. I, I think you're more likely to get killed because the White Sox go off in the first five as opposed to the Orioles. So then you'd say, well, Danny, about the first five. I get it. I don't want to lay the minus 155, though. That is too egregious to lay for a first five with an okay pitcher in Johnny Cueto and a team that overall does not hit righties well. I don't care who their opponent is. Four and a half, huh? Or no runs in the first. Especially if the White Sox got a banged up lineup. You just need Cueto to get through the order once. Top of the order, I know it's tough, and we don't like betting no's in the first. And I say we as the betting community is infatuated with doing yes in the first run. But you know what? I've only bet no in the first run, and I 
think we're like 3-0 and or something like that. Knock on wood. You know I'm knocking on wood after that statement. But uh, in all seriousness, yeah, I mean, the wind's not blowing out. You got two pitchers who have low home run to fly ball ratios, meaning they can be limited in terms of them getting punished by that at the beginning stages of this game. And also, they're giving you plus money to the under. Seldom does that happen. So I might consider that. We'll see if that develops into an official play. But like I always say, if I do, it'll be dished out on Rush Hour, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Marquee Sports Network tonight because the Cubs game will be over. Uh, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, along with YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts, and VEASAN.com and the VEASAN app. Coming next, because we're going to take a quick break here, folks. Coming next, let's talk some NBA draft. What are the Bulls doing? What should they do? Do we have any idea and just uh, overall thoughts on about the top six picks in the NBA draft? We'll hit that next here on the Chicago CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Baseball is here and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every single Saturday throughout the entire season. Place a three-leg, same-game parlay of at least $25 and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to help you make your perfect combination. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. It's 1-800-426-2537. What are we thinking for tonight? The Bulls have a chance to change the direction of their franchise. Could it be for good? Could it be for bad? Could it be for just in the middle? We don't know what the hell's going to happen from it. The answer is yes, all the above, because we have no idea what is going to occur with the 18th pick and our Chicago Bulls. You look at these mock drafts and you're kind of seeing a plethora of guys that it's rotating between. You got Jalen Williams is a name that's been linked with Chicago out of Santa Clara. 6-6 guard, 18 points per game. Malachi Branham, the guard out of Ohio State, 6-5, 14 points per game, can shoot off the dribble fairly well. EJ Liddell out of Ohio State, which I would be fairly content if they snagged this man. He's an undersized big man, kind of reminiscent of a Paul Millsap, but Liddell in college averaged over 19 points per game, or at least this past season, along with eight rebounds per contest. Ochai Abaji. You know, out of Kansas, was phenomenal throughout the tournament. 6'5 guard, 19 points per game, 5 rebounds, shot 40% from deep. Tari Eason, 6'8 forward, 17 points per game, 6.6 rebounds per game, 36% from 3 out of LSU. Who do you think the Bulls get? It, it, It could be anybody. I don't think... Abaji is going to be available. I think realistically he'll be gone. Um, Not so sure about the other guys. I don't really want Malachi. Or Malachi, sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. I don't want him to be the Bulls pick. And nothing against him. I get that 14 points a game in college is respectable. And you need someone who can pull up off the dribble. That's understood. But I'd rather if the Bulls are going in the direction of a guard... He's got to be a sharp shooter. 
And ideally, he's got to be a veteran and an established shooter at this point, right? Kobe White was supposed to be your young shooter. Look how that turned out. And no, that doesn't mean that happens with everybody. But what I'm saying is that you need to invest in a big body. You need to stack up more in that realm. And of course, this just correlates with what the hell you think the Bulls are going to do in free agency and just this offseason in general. You got to think they're getting a big man. But does that mean Vooch is involved in the package? Or can he stay? And regardless of your answer, you still should get another big guy. Derek Jones Jr. shouldn't cut it as another big guy. What we've been saying and what I've been preaching for a while and probably just too much is that you have the same type of players on this Bulls roster. Ayu Desumu, Alex Caruso, Javante Green, Derek Jones Jr. What do they all have in common? They're athletic. They can push the ball. They can play some solid defense, but they're not consistent scorers. When you're relying on Ayo Desumu, a rookie who's not a lethal scorer to produce points and shoot threes, that's an issue. And that was an issue. Javante Green is a hell of a player. Exciting. I hope they keep him, which again, you want him coming off the bench. Or you can start and bring some good energy-produced minutes, some enthusiasm, some defense. Cool. Alex Crusoe, we love him. He's staying. We get all of that. Great. You probably get rid of a guy like a Derrick Jones Jr. And I think he could draft one of the other big guys to fill in that role. Look, Derrick Jones Jr. is awesome. Talk about a guy with athleticism. He can shoot every now and then. He's lengthy, but... No, I don't think you need him if you can draft the big guy and develop him instead. Save some money on that. And Kobe White, well, Kobe White falls into that category because he can't shoot. That was his one job. He couldn't do it. His ass is in the jackpot right now. He knows it. We all know it. It's been in that position for a while. So the conversation has been, well, what do you do with Kobe? Do you trade him? Do you package him with the 18th pick and trade him? What's going to happen? That's popular sentiment around the Bulls fan base. I don't think anybody would be disappointed with that. But what are you going to get in return for an 18th pick in Kobe White? Well, at that point, maybe you can get some perimeter shooting, some reliable perimeter shooting. It doesn't have to be a big-name guy. That's the thing. You look at a team like the Bucs, I always reference them. You don't need all-star names to be perimeter shooters. You just need guys who know their role and can hit shots when open. And do you really want them to draft any of these guys? Is there anybody in particular that stands out to you more than the other where you're like, yeah, this will change the dynamic of the Bulls franchise, baby. You got to steal with Io DeSumo. Nobody's denying that. That was a needle in the haystack, second round pick, hometown kid who was stellar. But you don't want to have to rely on a draft pick as much as you did with Io. You want him to be as good as Io was and as productive, but you don't want to have to rely on him. And if you want to be a contending team for the championship, you got to trade and sign to get there immediately. You know, a draft pick in the 18th spot is not going to alter your direction that immensely to winning a championship this year. You get what I'm saying? Like one guy is not going to completely just turn things over for the Bulls. Not a young guy like that who hasn't played a minute in the NBA. No. And not with the 18th pick. Right? 
But you can trade and sign someone to do that, to make that difference. Look, if the Bulls don't trade the 18th pick, I'll be okay with it. I just hope that ideally, if it's going to be a guard, you know, yeah, Jalen Williams would be awesome. Abaji would be, would be great, but I just don't think he's going to make it that far. And if you're going big man, EJ Liddell seems like an awesome man to put on the team. I think EJ Liddell would be great. Tari Eason, that may be more realistic, but EJ Liddell would be, a, would be a top play for me. So we'll see what the Bulls end up doing. It's actually going to be exciting just because of the unknown with the Bulls. Watch them just get like some foreign guy that nobody knows who the hell he is. But all we can do is trust the process with AK and company. It's all you can do. All right, some other thoughts on the draft. Popular consensus for the top six. Now, I'm doing top six because it's the most notable names. So I know you're hearing all this speculation as you get closer to draft time about who's going to be number one, and you heard about it for quite some time leading up into it, but let's be honest, and Woj even tweeted about this. This is realistically what the order is going to be and what the thought process on it was always or has always been. And that's Jabari Smith going to Orlando at number one. Chet Holmgren going to OKC at numero dos. And then for triple, that's going to be more than likely Paulo Boncaro going to the Houston Rockets. And Jaden Ivey with the Kings at number four. Keegan Murray out of Iowa to the Detroit Pistons, who could have a really great young team. And then Benedict Mathurin or Matherin uh, out of Arizona, who had that electric game against. Uh, can't remember what team it was, but it was insane. Uh, him, he would be slotted with the Pacers and with the sixth pick. The odds are incredibly skewed, so all of those guys are pretty much assumed to go in that position, so you're laying some heavy chalk if you think that. But if not, then yeah, you got some value. But realistically, yeah, it's probably going to be Jabari Smith, Holmgren, Boncaro, and then at that point, who knows? But I'm not getting involved with any of the bets. I, I'm more of an NFL draft guy as opposed to NBA. Focused on what the Bulls doing. Couldn't care less really about the other teams, to be quite honest with you. I mean, yeah, it's interesting to see what happens with the top 10, but... Uh, the other only guy I would have some curiosity with is Johnny Davis. He's kind of a borderline lottery pick, right? Is he going to go top 10? Well, if you think he is, some books have a minus 165 to do so. Bet Rivers has like over under nine and a half. If you think he's under nine and a half, you're getting some plus money. Johnny Davis, do you think he goes top 10? Probably, but I'm not getting involved with it. I just thought that was an interesting proposition. What will the Bulls do? What do you want them to do? Let me know. At DannyBurke5 on Twitter. In a realistic world, what you're probably hoping happens is the Bulls trade away that 18th pick along with a guy like Kobe White. Heck, throw in Derek Jones Jr. That's fine by my thoughts. And you can get a couple of shooters. Or you get a shooter who's either really good and that's just that. Or you could get like a solid shooter and then a eh, average big guy to help out. You don't need a dominant scoring big guy with this right now. That's what you get the signings for. That's what you wait till post-draft to do. You just need someone like a Daniel Tice like you had last year who, yeah, can hit shots. But when you do, you're pleasantly surprised even though he can do it. But more importantly, take fouls, be tough, grab rebounds. And just be a menace down low. You don't have to be pretty. You just have to be powerful. Which the Bulls did not have in a big man. 
Yes, we are looking at you, Tony Bradley. But again, it's all about trusting the process that AK and company are going to instill. That's all you can do. They need a big man. They need shooting. We'll see if they uh, see if they like their options when it comes to the 18th pick. They're kind of in a tough position, obviously, because they don't really know who's going to be available. So obviously, they'll have their order and, you know, probably based on who may or may not get selected before them, go, all right, we can make this trade and see if that's going to work. So we're not going to know until we know. All right. But I'll be excited to talk about it, whatever happens tomorrow. Hopefully, it's someone who can bring a lot of value and depth to the floor. And really just someone who can not need to be relied upon, but can come up big in that moment when it's necessary. You know, Iowa was able to do that a lot. And that's a lot of pressure for a hometown kid. And he had a chip on his shoulder with the second round. Absolutely. This team is ready to make a jump. It starts with the front office, though. Is that jump going to be ignited by this kid in the draft? Or is it going to be by acquiring someone else who's already established? Kind of hoping it's the latter. But we'll see. Alrighty, folks. That's going to wrap it up for another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. I know I talked about if I was going to do the NFL conversation and realistically... Again, the summation of it's on Twitter. You can find the clip at DannyBurk5. So it was just talking about NFL Coach of the Year. But I recommend you go check it out because there's a couple of guys I think are worth some value. So, yeah, give it a look. Give it a listen. Give it a watch, whatever you want to call it. Uh, always appreciate when you check some things out that we produce at VEASAN. It's great content all around. That's why we implore you to give it a subscription. All the best content, every sport, 24-7 live video streaming, all of those good things. We have got you covered. But make sure you also check out Rush Hour tonight, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. More coverage on the NBA Draft, more baseball. And if we have some time, we'll squeeze in some football and or updated series prices even more so with the Stanley Cup. We're joined by Josh Applebaum and Will Hill. So good guest list tonight, folks. We'll catch you then. And until then, best of luck and take care.